everyone, I'm Emmeline Pat Dahlstrom from Space Base. It's a social enterprise focused on catalyzing the space industry and ecosystem in New Zealand to improve life on Earth. Today, I'm interviewing Andrew Hoppin from New York, who, besides being a fellow Edmund Hillary fellow, uh, is also a serial entrepreneur and investor and initially got uh, started on his space career earlier on. Uh, this interview we are doing is to ask him about more about his interest in space and where he thinks it's going, his insights and recommendations for budding space entrepreneurs out there. So, Andrew, welcome. Good. So I'll just ask you like a couple of questions. Uh, as I mentioned, this is more about like trying to understand there's a lot of people out there that are interested in space, but don't really know, um, you know, where to start. How can you become an avid sort of uh, person who's interested to becoming potentially a space entrepreneur? Mm. So one of the first questions, I guess, for, for you is, was there a defining moment in your earlier years when you thought that space was a career for you? Perhaps meeting you, Emmeline, at the International Space University in 1996. <laughs> uh, I was very fortunate to find uh, educational programs in space that not only gave me more of an academic grounding in the different disciplines that pertain to, to space, but also gave me an understanding that there's a whole industry around space and a whole community behind that industry. And the International Space University, literally, where I did meet you, Emmeline, was the place where I first got a sense of, of that industry. It was complemented by another program at NASA called the NASA Academy, which um, where I had the good fortune to meet a number of top executives of top aerospace companies. And I was uh, fortunate to be admitted into that program after graduating from college. So I had two different ways that I, I got a grounding in the industry that is space, which was completely not on my radar when I was uh, studying the science of space in school. And was there a specific like space area that you were sort of like interested and passionate about? So I really just uh, was always fascinated by exploring the unknown. And space to me was the ultimate infinite, but also real, like it's really there, opportunity to explore that unknown. And so it was really the opportunity to engage in imagination about exploration that could someday be real. And when I was growing up and even going through school, that ability for people to actually explore uh, was much more limited than it is today. And so I think it's an amazing time now to take your perhaps latent passion in space uh, or passion for something that space is a, is a great uh, enabling context for and to actually put it to work um, because it's a high velocity, really potent time for innovation and exploration in space right now. So people that are that are coming into the community right now, I think are coming in at an amazing time. And then still going back to kind of uh, your your early career, if you think back, can you share a time kind of like in the past where there was a moment that was like really gratifying during the, those years that you were working on space? Mm. Yeah, so I knew I wasn't a really good physicist. I knew that from my, my marks and my exams <laughs> in school. And so I just, you know, even though I love, I was super passionate about space and interested in it, I was clear I wasn't going to be a rocket scientist. And that's all that I thought, you know, you could do in space. And I totally, through good fortune, happened to encounter a different discipline called planetary science or planetary geology. And I happened to be good at that. So that was uh, made me feel for the first time like I actually had something to offer in space. 
so I was really fortunate about that. But the first time that I actually thought that could be a career, because I also didn't think I wanted to be an academic researcher in a lab, which was basically all I was being exposed to in school. First time I thought it could really be a career was this NASA Academy program where I was uh, selected with a group of people that were recently graduated from from college and um, in some cases graduate school and given an opportunity to go and really learn about all the different aspects of the space industry and meet some top leaders in the space industry. And that's where I realized there's actually a business, there are actually businesses to be built in space and that my skills, which were sort of you know fairly soft science skills, to be honest, combined with my passion for entrepreneurship could actually be a career. And so the moment that I remember most is when uh, Jerry Soffin, who started the NASA Academy program and who was the chief scientist on the Viking missions, the first uh, human uh, missions to, or uh, the first landings uh, on Mars that we had sent from Earth, he acknowledged me as being, you know, one of the one of the top folks in this NASA Academy program, and gave me a gift of of uh, some memorabilia from the Viking missions. And so that's when I first felt like, even though I'm not very good, perhaps at math, and I didn't think I was particularly good at science, you know, I was actually being acknowledged by somebody that was revered in the in the space community. Um, then I said, wow, well, maybe I actually have something to offer. On the flip side to that, do you remember kind of like the, your hardest challenge? Mm. So I think the hardest challenge for me was figuring out what I could do uh, as a practical matter that I actually wanted to do in space. And so I had a training as a scientist, and I was exposed to the idea that there were there was an industry and large corporations working in, in aerospace. But I caught uh, the bug of entrepreneurship. And at the time, I didn't really see many examples of entrepreneurs being able to build space companies. And I think that was largely true at the time. It was really the domain of big aerospace companies and, and governments and universities to, to, to work in space. So it was a big challenge for me to figure out you know, what I could do that was really true to my passion in terms of what kind of organization I wanted to work in. And so basically, I left the space community, to be honest, in some sense. Um, I started companies that had nothing to do with space, and I got sort of my hands-on experiential training as an entrepreneur. Then fast forward to the late 2000s, uh, you know, at least a decade or, or more after I left the space community and after I'd worked, last worked at NASA. And uh, suddenly my friends who'd stayed in the space community were starting really cool companies. And they were starting them as entrepreneurs with no money and no product. And they were building them up now in some cases to being billion dollar companies. And so that made me take notes and said, wow, either I really missed the boat or now it's time or both <laughs> for people to start really great space companies as entrepreneurs. That's a, that's a great segue to kind of the next uh, few questions that I wanted to ask. And this is more about with that path, uh, what would you recommend someone who's interested in space, but still basically doesn't know, um, you know, how to get into to that industry? Uh, what do you think should they get involved with or what should they be looking at? To, to get into the space? So I think um, it's really useful in space to get a technical background. So any form of, uh, as we call it, STEM education, I think is, is useful as an academic uh, grounding to do work in space. And I think the more technical, the better. It's just really good uh, bona fides, if you will, to, to uh, then work in any space-related organization. With that said, space is as diverse as the earth is and in some ways inherently more so and so the things you need to do and that you can do in space require all the skills basically that we have on earth so whether you're a good educator storyteller whether you're a great engineer 
or whether you're smart visually at helping people understand places or be inspired by by images, there's just and or whether you're a lawyer who's interested in the the very different policy context of, of space law, there's something really for everybody to do in space. So if you're interested in it, I think I would say pick the most technical career you can if you're interested in having a technical career. But beyond that, if you're passionate about space, no matter what your background is, there's a place for you. And the great there are more and more resources available to help you find how to turn that passion or skill set that you may have into an applied opportunity in space. In particular, because of Space Base being here located in New Zealand, there's an amazing opportunity to really connect through people and communities here locally in New Zealand with the global space community. So Kiwis are really fortunate, I think, to have Space Base here as a single point of intersection with what really is a global community. And beyond that, you know, I think that it's worth Going to space conferences, uh, space uh, relationships are often built at conferences and they happen all around the world all the time. You can spend your whole life as a, in space just going to conferences. And I think it is really worth going to one or more of those because that's where you really get a sort of experiential sense of what the community is like, as well as obviously meeting people from around the world. Thank you so much for acknowledging space based as well. So along that lines, uh, as well, in terms of like recommendations, do you have a favorite space resource, either online or not, that you go to for resources or info? Um, so beyond space base <laughs> itself, um, which I think is a, is a great and, and, and only a growing resource, I do pay attention to uh, space news, and there's a number of publications out there, but then a lot of them are sort of industry kind of trade press. Others are sort of public general interest science and sort of general interest news. But I really think it's worth, if you want to have a career in space, reading the space trade news. And there's a lot online. I think it's worth paying attention to what companies are getting funded, to what companies are getting contracts from, from governments, those sorts of things, um, because that gives you a sense of sort of the, the pattern of um, the space industry and you know, uh, some, I think, insight into what's going to be important you know, five, 10 years down the road. And you know, those are the companies that are going to be built today are the companies that are going to start to be a really big deal five and 10 years down the road as the uh, industry of space really opens up in a uh, much, much bigger way than it is even today. Yeah, along the same lines, knowing kind of like what the the current sort of like industries and markets that are, that are bubbling up kind of uh, in, in, in the industry today, can you give some insights on which markets are potentially something that people either in New Zealand should be maybe looking at or like some niche areas that would be good to think about? Yeah. So, I mean, the cool thing about one of the cool things about space is it's not just about space. It really is about innovation uh, for almost any technical area you can imagine on earth. And so, you know, there's a, a lot of, a lot of data and a lot of, a lot of history to investments in making something for space actually resulting in technological innovations that are commercially valuable here on earth, you know, from semiconductors to, to solar cells, you know, space has played a role um, in, in uh, moving those technical areas forward, not to mention tank, which is everybody's favorite, uh, everyone's favorite uh, historical reference. But the point being, anything that you can imagine being valuable here on Earth may have an application in space, but it may need to be done quite differently than it is on Earth. And because there are much more extreme constraints in terms of weight, in terms of cost, in terms of reliability, those sorts of things. And so you can imagine taking any technical domain and commercial product that you have experience with here on Earth and translating it into a space-ready context and 
perhaps needing to do some real breakthrough technical innovation in order to accomplish that. But then when you do that, in turn, that becomes relevant uh, in many cases for the Earth. And so there are commercial opportunities, not just in building space-ready hardware and software, but also in then turning the result of those innovations back down to the Earth. Besides being a space entrepreneur, you're also a, a space investor. Uh, and you've invested in, in several uh, companies that have, are, are now pretty important today with Planet and, space, and there's like some on space tourism uh, as well. So what do you look for in either in an entrepreneur or in a company that you think might show kind of like initial success? The first major thing is not really that specific to space. It's, it's you know, you want to look for an entrepreneur that will is committed to success both in terms of the, the mission of, of their enterprise as well as the uh, as a business financially, no matter what. You gotta, you know, have that hunger in an entrepreneur. And it's certainly, I think, more challenging in space in some ways because uh, it's uh, a less mature domain. It's a smaller market in some sense. And it's um, and there's there are a lot less uh, mature patterns to follow as an entrepreneur. So there's a lot of risk in, in building a space company. But even in you know mobile app company or something that's much more straightforward, you want to look for an entrepreneur that's going to realize when they need to pivot, um, that is going to get knocked down 10 times and keep on getting back up. So that's a key thing that I look for, especially as an early stage investor, which is what I, what I primarily do. I'm really investing in the people and the idea, not in a proven existing technology or, or product. Beyond that, I think in space, you want to look for two additional things that I think are somewhat specific to space. One, an understanding of how to be funded to build a space business and that's uh, something which I think is quite different because of the long time cycles that it'll take you typically to be able to fly hardware in space. You want to invest in a team that has the ability to figure out how to get non-dilutive grant funding from governments or to partner with universities to do research and development, to do things to sort of buy down the cost of, of R&D, basically. The good news is there's a lot of investment, including by New Zealand government, in R&D that pertains to space. And so that's a real opportunity. Um, I think, to um, make it a great value proposition for investors if a lot of the upfront capital expenditures of the company in R&D can be covered by non-dilutive grant funding or early contracts. You can get also contracts from from uh, governments in many cases to do what are essentially research and development projects, um, not ones that will have to actually be commercially ready for space, um, but that can, can help to fund a company in its early days. So understanding that and having the relationships and knowing what the different ways of getting those funding paths, I think, is, is important. And then the, the second thing, or the third thing overall, the second thing that I think is somewhat specific to space is understanding that sort of segue between something that's built for space and something that is a uh, terrestrial market that's, that's relevant. So for example, I'm working a bit with a team that it intends to be able to manufacture solar panels on the, on the moon, solar cells on the moon. Out of that effort, whether it's successful or not in doing so on the moon, there may be innovations that happen that help us build solar cells more efficiently here on Earth. And so that dual purpose opportunity in technology innovation uh, in a company, I think, is a great sort of mitigation of risk as well as potentially an expansion of the addressable uh, market when you're looking at a technology that's being built for space. Yeah, well, thank you so much for, for the time that you've given us. And uh, just to wind down the interview, is there any other parting words that you or, or words of wisdom that you would want to uh, say to the budding space community in New Zealand? I think I, I alluded to this before, but I, I think it's a fantastic time to start to build uh, entrepreneurial space companies. And 
that's because of the technical readiness of so many of the enabling technologies. That's because of the rapidly dropping costs of launching things into space. That's because of the renewed interest and investment by not only governments, but now nonprofit organizations and um, also commercial companies. There's a whole lot more investment being made in space um, going forward. And part of the reason for that is because of the maturation of the enabling technologies and launch capabilities that it takes to actually do things there. So a whole lot more business models actually are feasible today than they were 10 years ago for that reason. And so it's just a perfect time to get involved. And the second thing more specific to a place like New Zealand is a lot of what is uh, going to be uh, innovative and, and is going to work in space can be done at smaller scales now. And so being in a smaller market, a smaller country is not necessarily the kind of impediment to really building meaningful space businesses that it might have been 10 years ago. In fact, to the contrary, I think New Zealand has a history of innovation and um, you know, taking the uh, severe constraints in terms of resources and raw materials, you know, the number eight wire adage, and actually um, being able to come up with really creative, innovative solutions to be self-reliant. And so as a country, I feel like that's in the DNA of the people. And that's exactly the kind of innovation that I think is going to create the net breakthroughs that are going to build the next wave of space companies. So if I was looking at to find great space entrepreneurs with great opportunities ahead of them, I would look as much to New Zealand as I would at any other country in the world. I think it's a, a real place that's really primed for success. Great. Well, thank you so much, uh, Andrew, again, for your thoughts and insights uh, for the New Zealand space community. Um, and uh, we, we hope to do more of these in the future. So if you like our work and uh, would like to support us, uh, we're going to be doing a uh, Pledge Me campaign shortly and we'll, we'll notify people. So thanks for listening and uh, see you next time. Thank you so much.